This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Wisconsin. Let's investigate. Wisconsin, what happened? I know. What I, happened I there? Keep, I keep wanting to say Wisconsin, but it's <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, we are going to talk about Diane Okolitz. and. Okay. She was part of a big family. Um, she was a second daughter to a very busy Catholic family. Uh, okay. She had two older brothers, Dennis and Edward, three sisters, Nancy and Patty and Debbie, which were all younger than her. Okay. Um, everyone ex- explains how she is or um, recants that she was just a very caring person. She okay. was very loving. Um, she was just a generous person that always had a great time um her friend which is also named diane zimmer um we're so we're just gonna call her zimmer for this so we don't get confused okay um she also explains how diane used to go take everything to the church she if she had a problem she would go to the church she would pray about it um, you could see her frequenting the church uh-huh. very often, not just on Sunday. Like super religious. Yes. Um, and so Zimmer and Diane actually were high or elementary. They met in elementary school. Okay. And so they've been friends for a really long time. Um, by the time Diane finished high school, she was a mature, tall woman. Uh-huh. Um had a beehive like they do in the 60s uh which was actually pretty cute um and so she will talk about her little dating history first she she dated in high school and she had numerous gentlemen callers (laughs) during that time but nothing really serious it's not until she graduated high school where she met Donald Hurlmeyer from Milwaukee, and they instantly hit it off okay. and got engaged. Aww. I know. It, it's very sweet. Um, it was a whirlwind romance, uh, but he was actually enlisted into the Army. Okay. And so as soon as they got engaged, he went off to boot camp. Um, So she tried to keep herself busy. She found a secretarial job at Kenworth Manufacturing. And after a year of working there, she decided to move out of her family house and move in with her brother's girlfriend. Okay. Uh, And so... In September, she served as maid of honor in Zimmer's wedding, uh, and Zimmer married her high school sweetheart. And it's the time where people got married right out of high school to their high school sweethearts, the 60s. Rampant in these streets. (laughs) Right. Didn't even know about life. Yeah. It worked for some. Uh, and so her Mario, like I said, went to basic training. Um, he went to Fort Hood in Texas. Okay. And so she got really lonely. 
And so Diane signed up for swimming and knitting classes in the evening, took okay. another part-time job as a hostess at Dutchland Dairy Restaurant. That's fun. I don't know what they serve, but sign me up if it has ice cream. I want pie. <laughs> I don't know why I think of Wisconsin. I think of pie. Cheese and cheese. Pie. Cheese pie. Absolutely. So she so was a quesadilla. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Sign me up for a quesadilla. So she was after he he was sent to Fort Hood. She was just really just trying to keep herself busy. Right. Right. Just distracted from probably being lonely and yeah. And alone at home. Yeah. So she did all of these activities to, like you said, keep busy. Mm-hmm. And so she was actually scheduled to work at the dairy restaurant. Okay. Um, that day, that night. Okay. That she she got murdered. Bum, bum, bum. And so we'll talk a little bit about Kenworth manufacturing. Okay. Um, so they had about twenty five people that worked there. They all worked weekday shifts, so they would start they would start early in the morning and end by three thirty. Okay. Diane was the only secretary there. And so she would be alone till about 4.30 for late deliveries and all okay. of that, answering phones. Yeah. Um, and so after work, Diane would always go pick up her best friend, Zimmer, <laughs> at her nearby workplace, and the two would just drive home together. Okay. On November 3rd, 1966, Diane was late picking up Zimmer. And so Zimmer was, of course, concerned about this. Absolutely. And if your best friend doesn't show up, right. and I say they're going to show up. Right. You get worried. You, now it's like we ask our friends to text when you're home and yeah. all of this, but you didn't have that in the 60s. Yeah. And so she was obviously concerned because her friend Diane always came to pick her up. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zimmer accepted a ride from her manager's wife. Okay. To go to Kenworth and see what happened with Diane. Okay. When they got there, they found Diane's car in the parking lot and they started looking through the windows because all the doors were locked. Okay. And they saw Diane's purse on the desk and her coat hanging near the closet, but no sign of Diane. Okay. Automatic red flag. Right. And so, yeah, why would you be leaving that? You wouldn't leave that. Yeah. And so then they found her. Um, They finally got somebody to come open the doors and they called Mm -hmm. the police and all of that. And they walked in and they saw her stabbed to death. Okay. Um, She was actually stabbed 106 times. Oh damn! So this is like a like what do they call it? A crime of passion or whatever? Where it was like because who was going to sit there and stab you 106 yeah, times. Yeah, if it was just like a random thing. Yeah, it wasn't a random robbery to yeah. be like, shank, I'm going to kill you. They had like an emotional you. connection to right. this person. And so she died of massive hemorrhaging due oh, to yeah. multiple stab wounds to the chest, neck, to the head. Uh, Jeez. It was, it was a gruesome sight. So my question is, It had to have been somebody that works at the factory if everything was locked up. Yeah. Because if she was still there and she was still in the office, then she wouldn't have obviously had the opportunity to, like, lock up for the evening. 
That's what I think. So that's what they thought. They they said most likely she knew who her killer was. Yeah, I think usually when it is like a crime of passion, it is somebody who has some kind of connection to you, whether it's like an acquaintance and maybe that acquaintance has like they just grew too attached to you and mm-hmm. they kind of grew like an obsession yeah. over you. Mm-hmm. But to be stabbed 106 times, that is somebody that she definitely knew. Well, and it it's just insane to me. So she was stabbed actually 30 times in the head, neck and face. Jeez. And 35 in rows down the side of her back where she was repeatedly stabbed while she was on her stomach. So she was probably trying to get away. She was probably trying to get away. She had a lot of defensive wounds. That's oh, my gosh. Uh, She had defensive wounds on her arm, her back of her hands, her nose had been broken as well. And then they found her with her dress pulled up between her legs okay. and partly off her shoulders, but her undergarments and were not we're unta- in, yeah, in, were intact. Okay. And so they they came to the conclusion that she wasn't sexually assaulted. She was probably just being grabbed in these locations to if she was trying to run away. Okay. Wow. So What's funny is that this, not funny, but this was a small town. Okay. And so everyone got really, really scared. Of course. Um, And so in the days after her murder, with the killer still at large, obviously, mm-hmm. sales of large jo- dogs, chain locks, and firearms all increased <laughs> throughout publicity. Um, because they started to question how really safe they were. Well, even. yeah. Well, in the the 60s was still a time when people would, like, leave their doors unlocked. Mm-hmm. Such a foreign concept to well, me. Well, and it was small town, too. Yeah. That is, I, it's so foreign to me. <laughs> I don't understand it. Anytime they're like, oh, yeah, Jean would always uh, have her door unlocked. And it's like, but why, Jean? Why? <laughs> why? Be- because that's just how we do it. Yeah, it's just, they had, they had a lot of trust for people. <laughs> I don't trust people. Amen. No. All my doors are locked. I sometimes lock the door when I take a shower. <laughs> like, who's come? <laughs> Nobody gets to use this bathroom. <laughs> well, because you can't, you can't see. Yeah, you can't hear. Yeah, the water's taking up all your senses. I listen to music. Yeah, you don't know. Be it really could be easy. like Hitchcock. I'm giving people tips. <laughs> wait for wait for Andy to go into the shower, and then we murder him. <laughs> dark. It got dark. Okay, okay, let's let's get this back on back on track. Um. <clears throat> So they had a funeral for her where there's over 250 people that came. Oh, wow. Um, including her fiance, who was beside himself. He, well, of course. He was so distraught. Um, they gave him a, they granted him a leave uh, okay. to attend the wet, wedding, to attend oh, the funeral. Um, and during mass, St. Mary, the church is called St. Mary's. St. Mary's pastor implored the killer to come forward, forward, and reveal themselves and explain why, why, why he did that or she did that. It's it's fucked up to say, but it's probably almost guaranteed that, that person was there mm-hmm. at the funeral. Oh, of course. I mean, with a town 
that small and 250 people mm-hmm. and she must have known them um we could only assume mm-hmm. of course they were there yeah the police didn't waste any time trying to catch diane's killer they started rounding up suspects and asking everybody uh for interviews just trying to get a sense of if she had any problems with anybody or you know mm-hmm. who who would be a likely suspect and like we said the police theorized that diane knew her killer um mm-hmm. And the killer surprised her at the end of the day while she was trying to leave. Okay. They also speculated the killer was familiar with the plant's layout and may have known that she would be alone at that hour. Absolutely. These are all things that I think. Yes, right. And that's all, I mean, again, because it was locked, because they knew exactly where she was mm-hmm. um, and that she was alone. Yeah. Seven detectives worked 12 to 16 hours shifts with no days off trying to solve this crime. There are over 100 pieces of evidence that were sent to the FBI in Washington, D.C. for analysis, including fingerprints and okay. at the scene and Diane's bloody clothing. Over the weeks, police interviewed more than 500 people and came up with what they thought were six strong suspects. Okay. But they all had alibis. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I know. It, it sucks. That's frustrating. Diane's family and friends also pointed them into the direction of her employer's son. Okay. Who... Getting a little skeezy. He was a little skeezy. He, he was giving... Diane unwanted advances and mm-hmm. it kind of frightened her and she she explained that to her friends. Mm-hmm. She was her sister Patty actually gave a quote saying she was terrified of him. He oh, was wow. her he obviously was attracted to, to her and had been bugging her to go out with him and she didn't want anything to do with him. Great. So when they questioned the employer's son and they questioned him extensively. He had an alibi as well. Okay. Um, He said he had been with family members at the time of the killing, and all his family backed him up. Mm. Um, It wasn't long before leads started drying up, of course. The evidence sent to the FBI in Washington didn't result in any break in the case. Okay. And the police were forced to move on to other crimes happening. Of course. Um. Usually what happens with these cold cases. I mean, once they run out of leads, they just kind of have to put it to rest for now. Yeah. Until something else comes up. Yeah. That sucks. That really sucks. It really sucks. Well, it was nice, though. So in the 90s, when DNA technology started advancing, mm-hmm. and that's when we got CODIS, which is a database for um across the whole United States of yeah. people's blood types and whatnot. Um, they finally submitted that into the the evidence into CODIS, but there were no matches. Okay. But it's still there. Um, so if anything pops up. Mm-hmm. And the police tracked down the early suspects to also gather DNA evidence to match it up mm-hmm. as well. And uh, there were no matches, of course. Okay. But... The one suspect they were most interested in getting a sample from 
had died in 1991. Ah, shit. I know. So despite his alibi, his obsession with Diane had always made him the prime suspect in the eyes of the police. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. his body had been cremated. Ugh. And the whereabouts of his the remains are unknown, so we couldn't get a sample to test it. I wonder did he have any I wonder if he had any kids. Well, so that's the thing. So the police got a court order to exhume the bodies of his parents. Okay. To obtain DNA samples, again, there was no match. Ah, shit. Yeah. I was convinced. I was, I was convinced fucking too. convinced, man. <laughs> I know. I was so convinced it was him. Oh, wild. I want to. Oh. I know. This is what makes me want to be like a like a uh, forensic psychologist. Right. Because I, I love this stuff. I like putting, putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I would get so frustrated when it doesn't so like <laughs> when it doesn't like when my story doesn't like pan out or whatever. I'd be like, no, that's why as a detective, I think they're like, you can get a gut feeling or whatever, mm -hmm. but you need to get all the facts of the case and yeah. all the evidence because it will bite you in the butt. Well, bite you in the butt, and it's you're not you're dealing with people's lives, right? It's not. You have both aspects, right? You have to protect the suspect because, I mean, they're innocent until proven guilty. Right. And, but then you're also trying to advocate for justice for the crime that mm -hmm. occurred for, on behalf of the family. So it's, a, it's like a double-edged sword. Right. And if you don't get, <clears throat> if you don't provide all the evidence and have enough evidence, the, the person who you think did the crime can get off. Yeah. And then there will never be justice for that family or exactly. whatever. So Diane's murder took a devastating toll on all of her family members. As, I imagine. Yeah. Um, her fiance returned to basic training, heartbroken, of course, mm -hmm. with a lot of questions that were never answered. Mm -hmm. But a little bit more than a year later, he... On February 16th, 1968, the private first class was killed by a mortar round in South Vietnam. Ah, fuck. And also the murder and lack of charges weighed heavily on her family. Uh -huh. And it's really sad because all her family members started dying very young. Her parents were... Both died in their 50s. Mm -hmm. All that stress is not good for the heart. Right. Um, her mom died of heart failure at age 50. Her dad died of a heart attack at 55. Her older sister, Nancy, died at 58. And then her brother, Dennis, who never gave up in his search for the killer, um, he s suffered a stroke at 50 and then passed away 12 years later. Okay. And so it was just a really hard hard time for them after diane was murdered and obviously but mm -hmm. it really took a toll on them and it's really sad to see what happened to everyone around that was affected it by it mm -hmm. so obviously we don't have any suspects dna is in codis um this is a really old case everybody would probably be passing away by now um, 60 years later. 
Yeah. Almost 60 years later. Although, yeah. And so I don't think we're ever going to find an answer for this. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like it. The only thing that I could see would be like some random case of like 23andMe tracks like the DNA like through Ancestry or something. I don't know. That would be that'd be wild but then it's like you it's all speculate like i guess not all speculation if you have a dna match it would be pretty convincing but i mean yeah if it's a dna match and they are doing that and so if somebody related to the killer even gets in trouble with the police they true they mat they do that as well and so very true i hope there's answers one day but unfortunately her most of her family passed away before they could get, get their those, closure. Yeah, get those answers. Definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email Unsolved America MVP at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.